You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So yesterday I did a little bit of a project, and I want to talk about that. I want to kind of expand on what I discovered yesterday, and that is that first-round linebackers just aren't all they're cracked up to be. In other words, let me put it this way. My old assumption was that the reason linebackers don't go early is because you can get them much later. However, the best linebackers are always in round one, obviously. That's where the good ones are. It's it's just like running back, right? Yeah, of course they're really good running backs. But since you can probably get them in rounds four and five and six or whatever, you know, eh, you want to just get more high-priority things. And then I went through the linebackers and realized that all the best ones were not in the first round, with the exception of Luke Keekley, who is retiring. And so I wanted to go through and just do all the positions because I want to know what in the world is going on with this. And so I did. I did all of the positions. Um, I did do a little bit of fullback just because I wanted to do all-all, but there's literally only 10 of them, and uh, only two of them have grades in the 70s. And then same is true with, like, kicker and punter. I'll probably end up doing them at some point because it's interesting, but I didn't do them yesterday because what I did in this little um, endeavor here is I looked at... um, Well, I I did two projects, basically. The one is for each position, so let's say quarterback... How many in the top one overall are first-rounders? How many in the top five, 10, 20, and 32? And the problem with that is if you do punter, you've only got about 32, and about eight of them are any good. Whereas with the rest of these positions, what we're assuming is if you're a top 20 person, you're probably pretty good. If you're top 32, depending on the position, maybe not quarterback so much, but wide receiver, you're, you're pretty decent. So it just kind of changes that dynamic with kicker and punter and long snapper and fullback and whatever. So I just figured, ah, whatever, I'll just leave it off. Um, so that's the one project I did. So just looking at first-rounders, how many of them are there in these top whatever? But then I said, as I'm doing this, like, you know what I really want to know? What round are they in then? If, if, if it's not first round, what round are you finding them in? So for quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, tackle, guard, center, defensive tackle, edge rusher, linebacker, cornerback, and safety, what I did is I looked at the top of each of those positions and how many are in each round. So if you're looking for a top 10 tight end, what round are you most likely going to find them in? Now, one caveat here, because I'm sure the more statistically inclined people are going to point out something to the effect that the only reason they're falling is because there's not, or, you know, for example, you're not going to find a lot of, um, for example, if you look at tight end, how many of the top five tight ends are first round tight end? Well, not that many probably because very few tight ends actually get drafted in the first round, which has something to do with their positional value. What You could try to make that case if you want, but either way, it doesn't matter. Because all I'm trying to see is, when is the best time to draft for this position? And for the record, 
not one of any of the top 10 tight ends were taken in the first round. And the other cool thing about this, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about it later, but just kind of laying the groundwork here. What I figured out is, you what I, what I expected was most of the talent will be in the first round, then a little less in the second, then a little less in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and then maybe an occasional free eight. That's not the case. Each position kind of has its own little little like bell curve to it. It's got its own feel to it. And every position's a little bit different as to why it happens. So you might need a little investigation as to why there's more of this and a little bit less of this. Some just have like one round where you just, that's just where you find them. Some it is more, you know, the closer you get to round one, the more you're going to get. So it's kind of fun to be able to look at this and go through this, but also to get a kind of feel for where to take some players. And it is important because a lot of times when people do mock draft, you look at it and say, dude, if you wait until the third round, you don't care about it. Because again, the assumption is always the thing you care about most, you take in the first round. The thing you care about the second most, you take in the second round. The thing you care about the third most, you take in the third round. That's just always what you do because the closer you get to pick one, the better the player is automatically. Without any respect to the fact that there are certain positions, if you don't take them in round one, they're not going to be any good. There's there's basically two, I think, in which if you don't take them in the first round, they're not good. Flat out. There's just no evidence outside of a couple flukes that you're going to get somebody in the third round that's going to be a, a active producer. So taking that position, which is maybe your third biggest need, because you know it's either now or never, and then waiting until the third round for your biggest need, because you know there's really no difference in talent between rounds one, two, and three. When you look at the league as it is this past year, now, to be clear... I used Pro Football Focus as my reference because you're not going to find this information anywhere. I can't use anything else. I also happen to like Pro Football Focus and take what they say very seriously, although it's not perfect. It's pretty close. You want to dispute one or two things, fine. It doesn't really super matter, and it doesn't super change a lot of this. So that's the gist of what I want to do for the most part. So we'll probably start with that. Nah, we'll end with it. We'll make it work. I'm always worried about time, but we got a, we got other stuff. Uh, I got a couple different questions and comments that I want to touch on. And then, of course, we got a new DB coach that we kind of already talked about yesterday. But anyways, make sure you get yourself into the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. And we are getting very, very close to the end of the month. We are going to be doing our giveaway probably, probably February 1st. Might just wait until after the Super Bowl, because why not? But either way, I want to give everybody through the 31st to be able to, to get in, because we got a giveaway. But either way, if you like and appreciate the show, I... Uh, simple gesture on Patreon of a dollar a month would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, just make sure you are subscribed to the Packernet Podcast. In other words, the one that you're listening to is named the Packernet Podcast, and the logo is a dark one that says Pack Daddy. Again, just want to let iTunes and everything know, everybody know that you actually listen to the show. Otherwise, they have no idea. But that's it. Let's take a break, and uh, let's hurry up, and we got a lot to, lot to talk about. If you find folks are looking for something fun to do this spring, Maybe you should consider following your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. It's a great way to get your sports fix when you can't watch football anymore. Don't just sit in your basement watching YouTube highlights of the Green Bay Packers from when they were on their Super Bowl run. Get up and actually go do something cool. So not only can you check out the the 10 stadiums and 15 baseball teams that are going to be playing all around Phoenix, but Phoenix is loaded with cool stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about where you live, But I'm pretty sure that in Madison, Wisconsin, where I live, I can't go take a hot air balloon ride and then go check out the Out of Africa Wildlife Park. We don't have that. I'll be honest, that sounds kind of cool. So if you've got a family, you've got the time, you've got the resources, and you want to do something special, 
This isn't the worst idea. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Today's episode is sponsored by TheAthletic.com, a subscription-based sports news site for real sports fans. If you're tired of all the clickbaity, ad-filled, video pop-up nonsense, and you want to be able to just go somewhere and get thorough, thought-out content, you might want to check out The Athletic. They got articles like the five biggest items on the Packers offseason to-do list by Matt Schneidman, 2019 season in review, and as I've said, they've got some of the, the, the biggest names, especially nationally, anywhere. The Athletic went out and just gobbled up everybody. And the reason is they wanted to set a high standard. Because they know nobody's going to pay for this if it's, if it's something that you could just get anywhere else. Every single person that subscribes is going to get their own personalized news feed. You just tell them what you like and don't like. And you can get all your news right on your phone with the Athletic app. So if this sounds interesting to you, head over to theathletic.com slash overtime to get 40% off a yearly subscription. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. Make sure it is lowercase spelling. All right, we got to Herre Herre. First of all, we did hire a defensive backs coach. I mentioned the two that we had met with, and the Packers, seemingly their, their strategy is to move quick. They've always kind of moved quick. When they've got a vacancy, they go out and fill it. They don't mess around, which makes sense because if there's somebody that's really talented, they're not going to be out there very long, so you got to pounce on it. Be decisive. Um, the hire was Jerry Gray. I had mentioned two names yesterday. I said one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The other one kind of made a good amount of sense. Jerry Gray is the one that makes sense. To recap a little bit, one of the things I like about him is that he's been, he's been a defensive back coach slash cornerback coach for a very long time. But he's also spent a lot of time as a defensive coordinator, which means he brings a, a lot of know-how and knowledge to the to the team, which is awesome. But also, you don't repeatedly get promoted to, to defensive coordinator if you aren't blowing people away with how talented of a coach you are. Now, the fact that he keeps getting demoted back to DB coach means he just doesn't quite have that little bit extra to be a defensive coordinator. Now, usually, you can find out where somebody is, where they're fluctuating. Sometimes it's sort of head coach... And then coordinator, head coach, coordinator, like, you know, Mike Patton or something. Maybe he could be a head coach somewhere else. I don't know. But it just didn't quite work out. But really good defensive coordinator, so he gets hired right away to do that. I mentioned yesterday that he had coached up uh, Earl Thomas. That was in his rookie year. And so I don't know exactly how much credit he can take there. But some of the other guys he's come across, Sean Taylor with Washington, which is insane. And then, of course, as, as I mentioned, the cornerbacks for the Vikings kind of slipping a little bit which I think goes a lot to talent, but they have had one of the better safety groups over the past few years in the entire NFL. And the other reason why it kind of made sense is the Packers have seen this up close, right? Because it's a Vikings coordinator, so they've been watching. They know exactly what this unit does. They sit and stare in awe of what these guys can do. If you look at this defense, of course, it's a very talented defense. Everybody knows about Daniil Hunter. However, the highest graded player on this entire defense was safety Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris is an undrafted free agent. He's been with the team for five years. He's always been pretty good, but the last two years he's completely broken out. Anthony Harris is one of the unheralded, not completely unheralded, everyone knows he's pretty good, but not talked about enough safeties on this team. After that is Eric Kendricks. The third highest graded defensive player on this team is J. Ron Curse, safety for the Minnesota Vikings. Again, a guy that's been with the team four years, he's been kind of mediocre for three, had an absolute breakout season this year. 89 overall grade. After that is Daniil Hunter, and then the fifth highest graded player is Harrison Smith, with an 88 overall grade. 
So there are five players on this team basically with elite grades. Three of them are safeties. By the way, Curse is a seventh-round pick. So two of the three highest-graded players on this team are safeties. There's a seventh-round pick and an undrafted free agent among them. Harrison Smith is a first-round talent, and he plays like it. Beyond that, number seven overall, so every other guy, is Andrew Sandejo. So in order of position by for example for who the best players are safety linebacker safety edge rusher safety linebacker safety the only other safety on the team is Marcus Epps he's the 12th highest graded player on this entire team he only played in three games he didn't play all that much but the bottom line is the worst safety on this team was the 12th highest graded player now the problem is the worst players on this team are the cornerback They've got a bunch of them, but the highest-graded cornerback is 15th overall, Mackenzie Alexander. The worst three players on the team are Xavier Rhodes, Nate Meters, and Mark Fields. All terrible. So that would be the one concern, I guess. But again, the experience that this guy has, what he's been able to do to groom the talent that they have. And look, there's been a difference in, in investment. The Packers have invested probably more than just about any team in defensive backs over the last, what, five years? They want to start seeing production. They need to start seeing production. This is what I've been saying about why I'm okay with these guys walking. Because we're not getting production out of all these first and second round guys that we keep drafting. We're just not getting any production out of it. So let's let a guy like this, who has been able to groom talent into being some of the best safeties the NFL has ever seen, and let him get his hands on guys like Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. And then let's see what he can do with guys like Jair. Because again, it's also not a bad thing to just get a new voice in there. Because everything that these guys learn from their old coaches, they can hang on to. Now you got somebody else coming in telling you stuff. So bottom line is I'm excited about it. I generally like getting new coaches unless we have a really good coach that gets hired away. But if there's if it's just not working, and not saying, you know, I understand these are people's lives and you don't want to just fire people willy-nilly. But in general, let's just get some new voices in here. Let's mix it up a little bit. Um, I did have somebody reach out on Instagram. Instagram name, I am Lodog, a.k.a. Steve. And his thought on the linebacker position, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I spent some time thinking about it. I talked about Corey Littleton and the problem that uh, that we would have with him as sort of the Blake Martinez kind of linebacker because the guy can't stop the run, and that's kind of our biggest problem. And his thought was, well, what if we just kind of used a more traditional 3-4 defense? In other words, we just keep two linebackers there. And then we could draft another linebacker or just, you know, free agency or however you find him, you find him. Because there's no question that the run stuffers are less valuable and they don't care as much. And so maybe we just plug Oren Burks in there as the guy that's sort of supposed to be the sideline to sideline and hope he breaks out in year three. Maybe we just go out and touch it up in free agency or the draft, get a guy in the fourth round like we usually do to be the run stopping guy. I don't know. But the other interesting thing that I thought about this was the the, the biggest hang up I had about that is the the idea of changing Petten's scheme. Well, he's not going to do that. However... We kind of do that anyways. The only difference is the guy standing next to Blake is a safety. And the only, in other words, it would be kind of silly to say that we have to change the scheme just because the guy standing next to him is called a safety instead of being called a linebacker. They're doing the same job. So in other words, if we just called Littleton a safety, nothing would have to change. I'm not saying we change his position, but just think about it from that standpoint. If we were to go out and get a Corey Littleton type guy, he would essentially fill the role of what used to be our box linebackers, or excuse me, box safeties. That third safety on the field that plays linebacker that's really just good in coverage, 
Now we just get a linebacker that's just really good in coverage. And so from that perspective, it kind of makes sense. And so for the most part, he's in, in the, the other issue was, okay, well, does, does that mean you have to take him off the field all the time? Not necessarily. The only time you would really probably need to take him off, even though you probably still wouldn't, would be like, you know, third and short. But even then, I mean, would you not want two linebackers on the field for that? And obviously in third and long, he's going to be the lone linebacker, which is what you want. And the guy you're paying a bunch of money to is to, if, if you're ever in a one line, actually one linebacker situation, you want it to be this guy. And so if it's a run heavy situation, you don't need one linebacker. If it's a pass heavy situation, you use one linebacker and you want him to be a coverage linebacker. So I could see that absolutely. As long as we understand that Littleton's job is never to be the guy that's primary objective is to be like Blake, the only linebacker out there responsible for tackling the guy that gets past the line or in a one gapping scheme, he's the guy that's responsible for a gap. No, I'm not giving him a gap. Now, if we've got two linebackers out there, I might give my run-stopping guy a gap, and then this guy is going to be the guy that kind of just flows sideline to sideline, kind of like a weak side linebacker. Your job is to pick up the trash. Anything that gets through, you fly over there and pick it up. So I, I that kind of made sense to me. So I'm good with that. And I think that makes sense. If we do get a Corey Littleton, we can't assume he's going to be the lone tackle machine linebacker because that he just wouldn't be very good at that. But I think what we would see is him taking the role of that box safety. In other words, we would just have more two linebacker. And it's not really changing the scheme, even though technically the person standing next to the other linebacker is a linebacker instead of a safety. It's the same function. In other words, the the, the scheme functions the exact same way. It's just a differentiation between what position and what player is standing in that spot. But everybody still stands in the same spots and does the same stuff for the most part, except for the fact that now that we have guys that Petten actually wants, he's able to open up his, his playbook a little bit and run the scheme he wants to a little bit more, more uh, you know, intentionally. I don't, I don't know the word. So, yeah, I'm good with that, Steve. Thanks for that insight. I like that. Uh, lastly, at least on this side of the break, I had somebody reach out and say, what about Robbie Anderson? I didn't do Robbie Anderson because he didn't really fit the profile of what I was looking for. In other words, the next Zadarius. Here's what I think about Robbie Anderson. He said he didn't realize that this was such a big name. It is. PFF ranks him as the 18th most valuable um, wide receiver, or excuse me, the 18th most valuable free agent. The only more valuable wide receivers are Amari and A.J. Green. Both of those guys I 100%, let's say 95%, expect to be re-signed by their teams. And so the way I view Robbie Anderson is that I think he is going to be the most coveted wide receiver. I think he's going to be touted as by far the best, most talented. And the fact that he's 26 means he's going to be the guy everybody wants. This happens every year. And the problem is the the hype... And the contract, so in order of lowest to highest, there's the lowest would be the actual talent. Then after that is the hype. And then usually even higher than the hype is the contract. The contract is just silly. So Robbie Anderson is exactly the kind of guy, and I'm not talking about from a talent standpoint, I don't want him. He's the kind of guy that's going to be a terrible value that is going to have all the hype. All the Packer fans are going to say, we need to get him. Somebody else is going to sign him for way too much money. PFF, or excuse me, over the cap technically is projecting four years, 13 million average. That's not that bad. But I think if he ends up being the top target, in other words, if uh, A.J. Green and Amari Cooper go bye-bye, I think you could see Robbie Anderson go for a lot higher than that. And then what's going to happen is when other teams hire him, you're going to hear the, you know, 
the know-everything guys, the very negative folks talk about, this is why the Packers are not going to win a Super Bowl. This is why, this is what happens. And then these guys go on to have very mediocre seasons. So if you go back and think about last year, think about Landon Collins. I was not very high on Landon Collins because I'm looking at his production, I'm looking at his PFF grades, and he's just kind of a good, not great kind of player. But everybody assumed Landon Collins is the best player in football. Why? Because he was he was regarded as the best safety available. And so then it becomes, he's this freakish guy that's available, and we have to get him. Landon Collins was never all that great. He went to Washington. He's still not all that great. He got paid like he's the number one safety in football. If you don't believe me, that those conversations are coming up and on the on this day in history. It's it's I mean this time of year is coming up, so I promise you you're going to hear me talk about I don't really like Landon Collins and you're going to hear me say I really like Adrian Amos. So just so you know, because I know I say this stuff and I'm sure some people are like, yeah, sure. No, I did and you're going to be hearing it very soon. The guy got a 6-year contract, 14 million dollars a year. He graded out as the 43rd best safety in football. Four spots ahead of Darnell Savage. And I don't even know what the math is. I'm not going to try. Adrian Amos was 17th. Landon Collins, 43rd. He is the fourth highest paid safety in the NFL. As far as total value of the contract, it's not even close. That's just how much, excuse me, actually he's tied for third most with Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew. Always have to try to re-remember how to say his name. But Eddie Jackson is currently the highest per year. But the total value of his contract is $58 million. Landon Collins' contract, $84 million. Lennon Collins has, Collins has $44.5 million in guarantees. Eddie Jackson, again, highest paid safety on a per-year basis, only $33 million in guarantees. In fact, nobody has more than $33 million except Landon Collins at $44.5 million guaranteed, signed through 2025. It's a six-year contract. For what? I was telling you, I could, I, it's not like I was just making it up. I'm looking at it. He's not that good. He's overhyped. He's not as good as everyone makes him out to be. But, oh, boy, you listened to the hype last year. Oh, you got to get Landon. We need Landon Collins. We pay him whatever it takes. Oh, and when Washington got him, people were fear. This is why we'll never win a Super Bowl. Dude's not that good. Same thing with Allen Robinson, and I've said this consistently. Although, listen, Allen Robinson's a good wide receiver. But the hype was that Allen Robinson is like Michael Thomas. And that's the thing. Free agency gets nuts. Free agency gets a little crazy. And when, when you're the top dog in free agency, people forget that you're not. that doesn't make you the best in the NFL. You're, you're the best free agent, and Robbie Anderson probably is going to be seen as the best free agent. He's 26 years old. He's got all the attributes, and it's just one of the, well, if he just wasn't with the Jets, he'd be great, which is probably what Chicago thought, but they forgot they're Chicago. So... If he wasn't great over there, I don't know why he'd be great over here, but whatever. But the Bears went nuts. Allen Robinson's getting paid almost as much as Devontae Adams is getting paid. And that's the thing. Whenever free agency kicks off, it feels super life and death. It feels like this is the, this is the, the guy that's going to solve all our problems. And do, for the person that asked the question, please don't think I'm talking about you. I'm just talking about free agency in general. It was just a general question. What about Robbie Anderson? I get the question's fine. And I don't have a problem with Robbie Anderson. I, I, what I'm saying is I, th- I just think he's going to fall into this category. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think he can help some team out there. But I think the hype is going to be massive. Could be wrong. Again, I actually think Brashad could actually be garnering a lot of hype. Maybe just people don't realize it yet. And once teams start to negotiate, then you get the Ian Rappaports of the world that find out that Brashad's about to get a big contract. That gets leaked to the rest of the media. Then all the fans act like they knew it all along, like this guy's a freak, we got to get him. But as of right now, nobody knows about Brashad Perriman. Robbie Anderson, the guy is every is the guy everyone knows about, and people have been talking about him for years. About we got to go get him, we got to go get him. 
for the Green Bay Packers. He's a guy that's been on the radar for Packer fans for a long time. And a lot of Packer fans right now really want him. And again, I'm not super opposed to it. It depends what the contract is. If it really is only $13 million, that's not a bad contract. But again, I don't, I don't want to forget who he is exactly. His overall grade is a 68.6. So again, just keeping it in context. Yes, maybe a little bit has to do with, with being on the Jets, but there's good wide receivers on really bad teams. Three best wide receivers in the NFL, I mean, by far the best trio, is the Tampa Bay trio. It's not because they have the best quarterback in football, I can promise you that. It's not because they have the best offensive line or the best offensive coordinator or the best offense of anything. But I think another reason people really like him is that he's a 4-3-6 guy, which, again, makes sense. He, I mean, he's 6'3", 4-3-6, that's awesome. So, again, he's a guy that fits the prototype of what we're looking for but is a, just a good wide receiver in general. It makes sense. I don't have any problem with the Packers taking it. So I don't. If, if the Packers get Robbie Anderson, I don't want to hear, oh, what now? You said you hated him. I'm just saying I think he's going to end up being a guy whose contract goes through the roof, 15, 16, 17 million, because he ends up being the top receiver once Amari gets re-signed, once AJ gets re-signed. People are going to go nuts. Fans are going to go nuts. Teams are going to go nuts. Somebody that's got a bunch of money and feels like they can go all in, or maybe, you know, doesn't have that much money but still wants to go all in. You get like the Raiders who are moving to Las Vegas. They need to make a splash. They really want wide receivers. And maybe not with the draft coming up. I don't know. With with a wide receiver heavy draft, maybe that'll keep his contract low. I just think he's going to get paid. The fact is his his highest graded year was 2017. He went down to 68.3 and then stayed at 68.6. Uh, 52 receptions, 778 yards, 5 touchdowns. Best year, 941 yards, 7 touchdowns. Yes, a lot of that probably has to do with the Jets again, but we, we got to see what this contract is. Because a, a 26-year-old six foot three speedster that's actually good at being a wide receiver, I'm not super opposed to it. I, I did hear there's some issues with him off the field. I didn't look into it. I don't know if there is. That's definitely going to play into it, and you can probably write off the Packers as not taking him. But that's just kind of my thought on, on Anderson. And it's just, it's just a feel thing, because there's, this happens in free agency all the time. I've been through this now enough times. There's a huge hype machine about one guy, and then I go look at that guy, and he's really high up on the list of, of all the websites saying he's the top wide receiver, and then you look at the actual production and the grades, and they're not that good. This happens every year, and if I had to guess, at least at wide receiver, Anderson would be that guy. Probably some other guys at other positions, but it's just one of those things I look at and just go, nah, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to happen. I think Packer fans are going to flip out that it didn't happen, and I think it's going to be okay. I think he's going to go somewhere, be overpaid, be productive, but just kind of eh, whatever. Because as much as there are draft picks that the Packers don't take that have bitten the Packers, and you all know exactly the guys that I'm talking about, number one ed- rated edge rusher in the NFL this year was T.J. Watt, number one. All right, guys are going to be throwing that in your face forever. You don't hear a lot about, man, we should have got that free agent. I told you. Very rarely is that the case. When you look at the value that has to be given up for these free agents, very rarely do they meet the expectations. Even when you're satisfied, like with Adrian Amos, I'm not upset we got Adrian Amos, I'm excited about it. But nobody's thinking, oh man, they got a steal. Now, Zadarius, okay. I don't think there are too many teams that wouldn't pay $17 million for a Zadarius Smith. But again, usually that doesn't pan out, and apparently it works in the favor of the Packers more often than not. So I'm all for you having an opinion. If you like Robbie Anderson, cool. I don't mind him either, but just brace for that. And please understand, don't flip out if you like somebody and the Packers don't pick them up. There's 32 teams, so you have a basically a 1 in, let's say, 31 chance if we had know the other team isn't going to re-sign them. 
So because the 1-31 in didn't pan out, please don't flip out. Please don't assume we can't win without this one player because that's just you being silly. And please know that most of the time, teams are overpaying for these guys and they're not really going to pan out. But anyways, let's take a break and uh, take a look at this little project I did. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I will actually plan on putting this Excel spreadsheet in uh, the or on Patreon. So if you are a patron, you'll be able to see all of this. But starting with the first project I did, which is just looking at first rounders, how many are in the top whatever. So let's start with the number one overall. The only position in which the number one player was a first round draft pick, quarterback, tackle, defensive tackle, and edge rusher. Every other position had a, the highest graded player that was a different position, that was a different uh, round. Wide receiver, running back, fullback, tight end, guard, center, linebacker, corner, and safety. And obviously kicker, punter, long snapper, but I, you know, I didn't do that, but I'm probably safe to say. In terms of top five, in other words, top five at the position, how many of them are first rounder? Offensive tackle is the most. Three of five are first round players. Quarterback, wide receiver, running back, guard, tackle, edge rusher, cornerback, and safety have two. Linebacker has one. That would be Luke Keekley, who's gone now. Fullback, tight end, center, zero. Top 10, you've got quarterback, and you've got edge rusher at six. So six out of 10 of your top 10 quarterbacks and edge rushers are first-round draft picks. Offensive tackle, five. Now, you're going to notice right away this pattern. Quarterback, tackle, edge rusher. Again, not one tight end and still only one linebacker in the top 10 is a first-round draft pick. Looking at top 20, and the other the other cool thing about this too is you can kind of look at where you want to draft somebody. So for example, defensive tackle. We need a defensive tackle, but does he need to be top 10 or are we okay with top 20? This will come in more handy on the next couple tabs, but that's another thing that you can do with this. But looking at top 20 players, 12 of the top 20 are quarterbacks, 12 of the top 20 are offensive tackles, 15 of the top 20 uh, edge rushers are first round draft picks, only two tight ends only one linebacker. Top 20 tight ends in the entire NFL. So in other words, 18 tight ends out of 20 are not first-round draft picks. 19 out of 20 linebackers 
In other words, every linebacker in the top 20 not named Luke Keekley is not a first-round draft pick. And then finally, top 32, meaning basically you are just a starter. 22 out of 32 quarterbacks are first-round draft pick. 15 of 32, about half of all starting, or I guess it would be a quarter if you consider right and left tackle. So about one quarter of every starting tackle is a first-round draft pick. 19 edge rushers are first-round draft picks. Then you got 12 corners. There's a big spike in corner, which again, kind of makes that, if you you know, big difference between top five and, and top 32. And then 12 defensive tackle. Only three linebackers in the top 32. So we're talking about starter caliber linebackers only three are first round draft pick tight ends only six running backs only six centers only six guards are eight safeties are nine wide receivers are eight and fullbacks obviously zero so already we can kind of see a pattern and again this kind of follows what i was saying linebackers in the first round just don't so it works both ways linebacker first round linebackers don't produce and the best and the best linebackers are not in the first round they're not first round players but let's really quick run through the position by position here, starting with quarterback. I know we're not drafting a quarterback, but it's still interesting. Bottom line, the story of quarterbacks, if you don't take them in the first round, you're not going to get them. Six top ten quarterbacks are first-round quarterback. Not any other round has even two. One in the second round, one in the third, one in the fourth, one in the sixth. In other words, after first round, it's a roll of the dice. It's a matter of finding one somewhere. Because the fact of the matter... and here, I wish I had written this down because I don't exactly remember but there's different reasons why certain things are the way that they are. One of them would have to do with, I guess, scoutability or how good we are at being able to scout the talent. Apparently, scouts are very good at identifying quarterbacks that can play in the NFL. And when they find them, they draft them in the first round. Of the top 20, 12 are found in the first round, three in the second round, one in the third, uh, two in the fourth, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. That would be Mr. Tom Brady. And of the top 32, 22 are first round, only four are in the second round, and then one, two, zero, two, one. Zero fifth round picks, zero undrafted free agents for quarterbacks. Again, first round is where you get quarterbacks. After that, it's a roll of the dice. Maybe a little bit of a better chance in the second round. After that, it's, it's a complete random thing. Completely random. Now, wide receiver, completely different. The number one wide receiver is a third round draft pick. As far as the top five, Two are in the first round, two are in the second round, one is in the third. Now the cool thing is wide receiver is very clear. If you here here's the story of the wide receivers. If you don't draft a wide receiver in the first three rounds, you're not gonna find one. I mean you can, but it's extremely unlikely. The first three rounds are where you find wide receivers. However, it doesn't matter what round. If you look at the top ten, for example, obviously number one and two are much more important, depending on what you're looking for. So let me elaborate on that even further. If you're just looking for a top 32 guy, maybe a top 20, the first three rounds are where it matters. After that, it drops off. If you're looking for a top 10, got to take him in the first two rounds. Top five wide receiver, two in the first, two in the second, one in the third, zero anywhere else. Top 10 wide receivers, four in the first, four in the second, one in the third, one in the fifth. Top 20 wide receivers, six in the first, eight in the second, four in the third, and then two in the fifth. And then if you're looking for top 32, eight in the first, 12 in the second, because the second round is actually the most prominent place to find a solid wide receiver. And then eight in the third, exact same amount of top 32 receivers in the third round as there are in the first round. Zero fourth round, three fifth round, zero sixth, zero seventh, and one undrafted free agent. 28 
of the top 32 wide receivers are in the first three rounds. Four are found elsewhere. Zero in the fourth, sixth, or seventh. And, and again, part of the problem is, and you're going to find this with a couple different positions, not that this needs to be the holy grail, but if you look at it, it's like, this is exactly what the Packers haven't been doing. How many fifth and sixth round wide receivers in, in fourth round, if you look at Jamon Moore, have the Packers taken swings at? Or seventh round, right? The LSU guy who slipped into the seventh. Let's give him a shot. First three rounds is where you find wide receivers, ladies and gentlemen. Continuing on with running back. Number one overall running back is a second round pick. Top five running back, a first round, or two first rounds, a second round, and a fifth round. So this one is definitely more evenly distributed. So it fits that sort of narrative that you can find them anywhere. However, there's still no question that similar to wide receivers, the first two rounds and the first three rounds are going to be the most important. For example, uh, top 10 wide receiver. Four of the top 10 are first round picks. So unlike other positions, see that, and that's a big difference between this and linebacker. You say, well, that's just because nobody takes them in the first round. Most top 10 running backs are first round are first round guys. That's not true with linebacker. So it's a different dynamic. Two of the top 10 are second round picks. That makes six of the top 10 are first and second round picks. After that, it's random. One fourth, one fifth, one seventh, and one undrafted free agent are in the top 10 this year. And again, I'm just looking at this year. This isn't a 10-year span type thing. This is just a matter of if you paid X amount of dollars, what did you get for it this year? What was the production? Top 20, five in the first, five in the second. Half are in the first two rounds. After that, one in the third, three in the fourth, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, seventh, and two as a free agent. And then, again, top 32, six in the first, six in the second, six in the third. If you're looking for just a starter caliber guy, first three rounds are where you find him. However, unlike some other positions, you can find him anywhere. Three in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, two in the seventh, five as undrafted free agents. Every single round, no no round has less than one um, in the top 32. They're represented everywhere, so you can find them everywhere. But it's still true that the earlier the better. If you want, again, if you want top-tier talent, first two rounds. So top 10, first round. Top 20, first two rounds. Top 32, first three rounds. That's actually exactly how that curve works. And again, you can find them elsewhere, but if you want to find them where they are, that's kind of what you need to do. And if you're just kind of, you know, again, you got to prioritize. You can't just say, okay, well, we need need a top 32 running back, so we have to go first three rounds. Okay, well, what are your other needs? Because let's also not forget, you can find them later. You got to work harder and you got to do your due diligence, but they're definitely out there. Tight end is actually somewhat similar, but it's also very random. So this, to me, kind of points to a position that is very hard to scout. For example, the number one overall player is a fifth-round draft pick. That's George Kittle. Fifth round. Top five tight ends, not one of them is a first-round pick. Second round, two-thirds, a fourth, and a fifth. Top ten, still no first, but two in the second, four in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth. So there's sort of a bell curve that goes around the third the third round. That seems to be sort of the money round. Way to go on Jay Sternberger, by the way. That's not sarcasm. I'm just saying that was seemingly kind of the, the right area to get him. So it seems like you can get him in the second round, the third round, and the fourth round, and then it kind of tapers off. Top 20, first round, there's two. Second and third round, there's five. And then fourth, fifth, there's two. Sixth, there's one. Undrafted free agents, there's three. So now top 20, you're looking at second or third. Once you get into the fourth, it's kind of getting a little iffy. And then top 32, again, we're kind of looking at first, second, third. 
Six first-round draft picks, which means there were four between 20 and 32. Six first-round picks, seven second-round picks, six third-round picks, and then it's two, two, three, zero, six. Now, this is the beginning of another trend that's going to start picking up that I think is extremely interesting. How much better value you get undrafted free agents than just about any other position or any other draft uh, round? My assumption always, so to kind of summarize this, you don't have to go first round. You probably shouldn't. It's going to be a waste of a pick. Second round, third round are sort of the, sort of the money round. You can find them fourth, fifth, and sixth. Probably want to stick with fourth and fifth. Sixth round, you got a shot at being top 32, but you're not going to get a top 10, 5, 1, whatever. Seventh round, just forget it because no, there's no talent in the seventh round ever. Otherwise, undrafted free agent. So the highest number of tight ends in the top 32, round two is number one, and then rounds one, three, and undrafted free agents. Like, uh, likewise, if we go back to running back, let me just continue on with this trend of undrafted free agents. The most prominent place to find in the top 32, first round, second round, third round was six. After that, it's undrafted free agents. Five. Five of the top 32 are undrafted free agents. Wide receiver, even. You got eight, 12, and eight. And then you got three in the fifth round, but you got one as an undrafted free agent. That's not many, but it's more than six in the seventh round where you have zero. You also have zero in the fourth round. Quarterback, it doesn't hold true because they just, nobody's going to slip. But that's a trend that goes on forever. And, and the interesting thing is I always assumed that it was in order, right? First round is the best, then second, then third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And then undrafted free agents are worse than sevenths, but, you know, it's just a pile of guys that are even less likely than seventh that's absolutely untrue in almost every single case undrafted free agents perform at least better than sixth and seventh round depending on the position sometimes they're basically the next best uh group outside of the first two rounds now maybe that just has to do with how many you can get so you get one first one second one third one fourth one fifth one sixth one seventh and then you go out and get eight undrafted free agents so there's that aspect, but it still does not make any sense. Because you also got to remember, we're going back over however many years. I mean, Tom Brady's on this list. So if seventh-round picks and sixth-round picks and fifth-round picks were traditionally better than undrafted free agents, you're going to get more of them piled up than you're going to get undrafted free agents. That's 100% not the case. The undrafted free agents perform better. Again, we're talking about the best of the best. Offensive tackles, let's look at that. number. Now, offensive tackle is another position First round is where you get them. And in fact, I didn't do this, but I noticed some of the best ones are also not only first round, they're top 10. They go, they get taken in the top 10 of the draft. So they're, they're, another way to say this is they're also one of the safest picks because when you take offensive tackles in the first round, they're most likely going to be very um, talented com compared to other positions. They're safe picks, probably because it's another position that they know how to scout very well and because it's very important generally these are these these hit more than any other position but the number one overall player is a first round pick three of the top five are first round picks the other is a second round pick and a oh what do you know an undrafted free agent in the top 10 five of them are first round picks two are second one is a third two are undrafted free agents zero fourth fifth sixth or seventh top 20 12 of them are um first round picks three are second round picks so 15 of the top 20 are in the first two rounds one is a third, one is a fourth. That would be David Bakhtiari. Three are undrafted free agents. So it's 12, 3, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 3. And then in the top 32, 15, about half of all the, as I said, I guess a quarter of all the starting tackles are first-round picks. Five are second, two are third, one is fourth, two are fifth, seven are undrafted free agents. So as I thought about this, 
what I realized is, and again, there's, there's more to it. It might have to do with how many there are, all that. But there's also, it's not around. Undrafted free agents are different. It's a different category. It's almost like a completely different thing than the draft. And to give you one example of why something like this would happen, the um, top five tackle that is an undrafted free agent is Lael Collins. Why was Lael Collins an undrafted free agent? It has nothing to do with his talent. The guy was a first-round talent all along, possibly maybe second or third, whatever, but you could say arguably a first-round talent. The problem was the guy wasn't, the only reason the guy wasn't there to get his hat in person is because he had to go back home to answer questions about a murder investigation. So because of that, his, his girlfriend or whatever had been shot to death, and apparently this woman's daughter mentioned Lael Collins' name, and so this is one of those things where teams are saying we can't touch him. But once the draft is over, this is where this kind of picks up. And so you get more cases kind of like this. I remember the Packers at one point getting a guy, and I forget his name. He was a linebacker, possibly line pass rusher. I think he was just a linebacker, though. I don't know. But he had a heart condition. He was considered potentially a first or second round pick. Maybe, and again, that might have just been the hype train. It could have even been like a third round pick. But he ended up going undrafted because of a heart condition. Now, he didn't end up playing all that much, and he wasn't all that good when he did play. But that that's another example of really talented guys that slip into undrafted free agency. So again, I always assume that there's no talent there. But you have, once you get past, I would say the third round, and we'll continue on with this. I got to pick up the pace a little bit. Once you get past the third round, just remember, you probably got a better shot at one of your undrafted free agents being a top-tier talent than you do the fourth, fifth, sixth, and definitely the seventh. Sixth and seventh is a waste of time. It's an absolute, complete waste of time. They shouldn't even have a sixth and seventh round. That's why I also get annoyed when sixth and seventh round people on the team, people get excited about, like, uh, you know, the linebacker that was a seventh-round pick. He's going to be so good. And I've, I've had, and listen, we've had contributors. We have had, especially like, you know, defensive tackle, I forget who, but you can get guys that can play. But the point is, one thing I realize is how unbelievably valuable undrafted free agents are. So, for example, tackle, undrafted free agents are the second most prominent among top 32. 15 are first round, 7 are undrafted free agents, only 5 are second round pick. You have more undrafted free agents in the top 32 than you have second round picks. In fact, if you look at the top 20, 3 are undrafted free agents, 3 are second round pick. You're as likely to find a a tackle in the second round as you are as an undrafted free agent. More likely than the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. So if you don't get a t- if the Packers are looking for a tackle, and let's say they get somebody in the fifth round and an undrafted free agent, almost everybody's going to say, well, at least we got that fifth round guy. Keep in the back of your mind, it's more likely that that undrafted free agent gets the job than the fifth round guy. It's a weird little thing, but it's a thing. And I, I need more information on that because I'm sure there's more to it than just, you know, guys on, under murder investigations and, and medicals, because that's not the story of everybody. Uh, there is also somebody else forget who it was, but I think he was a defensive tackle and got converted. Well, you're not going to draft a guy like that, but you might take a flyer as an undrafted free agent and be like, look, what do you think about playing tackle? He's a dominant tackle. He's, I think he's he's got to be top 10 because Lael Collins, I think, is the top five, and there's two now in the top 10, so he's a top 10 tackle, undrafted free agent. And by the way, as likely in the top 10 because you've also only got two round two undrafted free agents. So all the way through, you're as likely and actually slightly more likely to find an undrafted free agent tackle than you are to get one in the second round. Just it, it, Maybe that's not blowing your mind. It's blowing my mind. Uh, guard follows a very similar path to, for example, uh, wide receiver. I think this is generally true of the draft 
I guess, in general. First three rounds, and then massive drop-off. But it's also interesting because it's why you might find guards not getting taken as much in the first round, because despite the fact that there's a lot of talent there, and there is, you're just as likely to get them in the second and third round as you are in the first round. So you might as well prioritize a, a, a position like tackle over a position like guard. So, for example, the number one guard in the NFL is a third round guard. In the top five, two are first round, three are third rounds, zero second or any other round. So three of five are third round picks. If you look at the top 10, four are first round, four are third round. And again, it's kind of weird. Like, why wouldn't second be more than third? Because I think the point is, if you're in the first three rounds, it kind of doesn't matter. Now, after that, pretty much zeros. However, there is one undrafted free agent, obviously. No fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, but there is one undrafted free agent in the top 10 of guards. Top 20, five in the first, five in the second, seven in the third. So you could say third is the money round. I'm just looking at it as first, second, third, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. I don't think it ups your odds to get a first-round guard and then it does a, a second or third. Maybe a little bit if we assume less guards get taken in the first round. But again, what is our initial question? Where do you find them? Where do you need to take them? So your need to take them in the first round drops immensely because it's already baked in that other teams aren't going to be taking guards, which means they're going to be available in the second and third round, and you're going to get a lot of production. Again, third round is the money round for guard. So what am I rushing in the first round for? Top 20, 5 in the first, 5 in the second, 7 in the third, 1 in the fourth, 0 in the fifth, 6th or 7th, 2 undrafted free agents. And then top 32, if you want to get a starter, first is 8, second is 6, third is 9. After that, it drops off. No round has more than 2, including undrafted free agents. So you can find them anywhere in the first three rounds, but you better take them in the first three rounds. That's the story of guards. Centers are a little bit more like running backs where you can find them anywhere, but even more pronounced. So the number one center in the NFL is a sixth-round pick. Because this, I mean, this is just, it, it, center doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're going to get a little bit better off if you get them in the early rounds. But but look, top five, zero in the first, one in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, two in the sixth. Does this sound like a position you need to rush? Seriously. Top ten, three in the first. So now we get, you know, a prominence of first-round talent. One in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the sixth. Zero in the seventh, zero undrafted free agents. So again, very evenly spread. Top 24 in the first, five in the second, and then it's one, two, three, three, zero, two. Top 32, uh, 15, or, I'm sorry, 13 of the top uh, 32 are first and second. So six in the first, seven in the second. Only one in the third. Must be because everyone's drafting guards in the third, because there's just none. Three in the fourth, four in the fifth, five in the sixth. So you're just about as likely to get a sixth round guy in the top 32 as you are a, a first or second. S- two in the seventh, which nobody comes out of the seventh round. The fact that two centers, two top 32 centers are coming out of the seventh round just really highlights this whole thing. And then four of them are undrafted free agents. So literally anywhere. You got a little better of a shot in the first two rounds, definitely. But I mean, it, it just doesn't matter. The, the third most prominent place to find him is the sixth round. So go for it. Defensive tackle is pretty unique in the fact that it's like a blend of quarterback or tackle and running back. You can find defensive tackle talent anywhere. But it's basically, if you need a good defensive tackle, you have to take them in the first round. If you don't get them in the first round, then it doesn't matter. Take them anywhere. So it's, it's, it's a weird kind of thing of its own. So in other words, if I had to guess, I would say that defensive tackles are two things. They're, they're two categories that kind of help make up why things are the way they are. Number one, they're very 
I don't want to say easily scoutable, but they, the scouts do a good job of scouting them. In other words, really good tackles go in the first round. They know who they are, they can identify them, and they take them. However, I also think defensive tackles are guys that are easily coachable. In other words, you can get a guy in the fifth round, get his height, and or not his height, obviously, get his weight and his strength up to a certain position. Get You, you get all the measurables you want, you get them built up the right way, and you just teach them, look, this is what you do. Probably similar with running back easily taught position. You can just plug them in and say, this is what I want you to do. And a lot of these guys can do it to some extent. But if you want a good one, you take them in the first round. So some of the numbers, the number one overall um, tackle is a first round player. Top five, two are first round. One is a second round, two are fifth round. And the top 10, four are first round, two are second, one is third, two are fifth, one is sixth. Top 20, seven are in the first round. The next highest is the second round, which is three. After that, two, 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 one, one, two even distribution across. Pretty even, even with the second round. In the top 32, 12 of them are first round pick. After that, it's three, four, two, five, one, one, five. So the second most prominent are fifth round picks and undrafted free agents. After that is third, after that is second, after that is a fourth round, and after that are the sixth and seventh rounds where you get one each because those two rounds are trash rounds. If you can get any value for trading away a sixth and a seventh, just do it because I'd rather move up one spot in the fifth than waste it on a seventh round pick just just the worst but that's again that's the story with top third or with uh defensive tackle you get the good ones early if you don't take a defensive tackle in the first round there's no reason to rush and take one in the second round you just get them where you get them edge rusher not surprisingly is another one where you're you're very highly clumped up at the first round the bigger story here is uh first round is where it's at then second it's it's actually pretty all right let's do it in order Number one overall is an edge rusher. If you want a top five guy, you take him in the first two rounds. Two of them are first round, two of them are second round, one of them is a fourth round. That's just a flukish kind of thing. It happens. If you want a top ten guy, you're still looking first round. Six of them are first round picks, two are second, one is third, one is fourth. If you want top 20, 13 of the top 20 are first round picks. So even, so I shouldn't even say first two rounds for top five. That's just kind of flukish because of a smaller distribution. If you want a top 20, you need first round because 13 of the top 20 are first round. Four are second round, so you got a little bit of a better shot. Only three top 20 edge rushers are beyond the second round, and all three of them are third and fourth rounds. Not one fifth, sixth, seventh, or undrafted free agent. Why? Again, probably because guys are really good at scouting them. That's why you're not seeing them slip through the crack. Also, you could look at it and, and kind of come at it from the other angle and say this isn't something that you can just teach. You either got it or you don't. In other words, you, you have tools maybe, and that's why we picked you up in the fifth round, but I, I can't I can't get you to that next level. And then top 32, 17, so more than half of the top 32 are first-round pick. After that is six, and then the third round is four and four. So if you're just looking for a top 32, you want to go first round, and if you don't, the next three rounds are where it's at. If you don't get them by the fourth round, give up. Zero fifth-round picks are top 32. Zero sixth-round picks are top 32. Only one seventh-round pick and one undrafted free agent. Those are just guys that somehow slip through the cracks. It happens on occasion, but you absolutely can't count on it. After the fourth round, give up. Linebacker is extremely weird. Linebacker is, is kind of like running back where you can find them anywhere, but the money round is the second round. It's not the first. Don't take a linebacker in the first. I mean, you can... But you're just as likely to find that linebacker in the third or pretty much any other round, depending on how badly you want a really good one. So the top linebacker in all football is a second-round pick. Top five, you know where you find them? In the first three rounds. Round one has one, round two has two, round three has one. Top ten linebacker, three of them are found in the first and third rounds. 
five of them are in the second round, two are undrafted free agents. So if you're looking for a top 10 linebacker, 50% of them are second round. Top 20 linebackers, eight of them are found in the second round. Eight. One in the first, two in the third. There's more third round top 20 linebackers than number one. And again, Luke Keekley is that one. He's the one guy we're always talking about, and he's gone now. If you remove him from this equation, it's zero first round draft picks, eight in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, two undrafted free agents. Because again, you find him anywhere. Second round is the money round. If you need a linebacker, get him in the second. Otherwise, who cares? Top 32, 11 of them are in the second round. Three of them are first round picks. Three are third round picks. Three are fourth round picks. Four are fifth round picks. So maybe you could say there's a drop-off after four, but two of them are sixth-round picks, one of them is a seventh-round pick, or three of them are undrafted free agents. You're just as likely to find a top 32 linebacker in the first, third, fourth, and third, and the fifth round outpaces all of them with four picks or four guys. So if you're doing a mock and you want the Packers to get a linebacker and you're not having them take a linebacker in the second, you're just doing it wrong. And again, this isn't an exact science. I'm not saying definitively these guys in the first round are going to bust out. There's going to be another Luke Keekley and he's going to come along and it's going to be like, oh, see, I told you, we all knew. But for every Luke Keekley, there's a Roquan. There's this guy that is a can't-miss prospect. He's a top 10. Devin White, he's a top 5 prospect. He should go top 3. He's maybe the best talent in all of football outside of Bosa. He's un- We've never seen a linebacker like this. The guy was trash last year. Now, maybe he'll get better, but all the hype... And taking him as early as you take him, you're telling me you're so you're still okay with that? You better be top five if I'm taking you top five in the draft or top ten as a linebacker. And what was he, like 70th or something crazy? He was terrible. So I know the assumption is, dude, I've seen the tape. He's super fast. He's super athletic. He's a great, he's all these things. So that means he's going to come into the NFL and he's going to do that. No, that's not what it means. Three first-round draft picks in the top 32. Top Best 32 players in football at the linebacker position. Only three are first-round picks. 11 are second. And again, this is unique from some of the other positions that are similar. This is not the case with any other position. It's not this drastic that first-round picks just do not pan out. There's something weird about that because there are guys that get taken in the first round. And again, you go back over 10, 15 years, you should see more first-round draft picks than this. Because I'd be willing to bet just in the last five years, there's probably about a dozen linebackers that have gone first round. I listed them off for you. We went through it already. I listed all of the names. They're all terrible. They're all bad. Every single one of them. And every single one of these guys, you know you were hyped. I was hyped. We all wanted these guys bad for the Packers because we've always needed linebackers. I'm just saying, don't assume we don't have a linebacker because we don't take them in the first round. Because most teams that take linebackers in the first round regret it. Anyways, I got to hurry. Uh, cornerback first round is definitely the money round. However, I guess it's it's not quite like defensive tackle because it kind of thins out. It's it's very weird. So it, it like I said, they all kind of have their own unique thing. So let's talk about it. the number one corner is a fifth round pick. However, that is the only fifth round guy in the entire top thirty two. So that's in complete that's completely random. It's Richard Sherman. After that, the top five, uh, three of which are first and second round. One is Richard Sherman, and one is an undrafted free agent. Two of them are first round. Top 10, three are first round, one second, one third, one fifth, four undrafted free agents. Yeah, it, it gets weird. Top 20, six are first round picks, one second, three or four in the third, one fifth, eight undrafted free agents. In the top 20, the most prominent in the top 20 are undrafted free agents. 
And then if you want a top 32 guy, 12, roughly a third, are first-round pick. Nine, roughly the other third, are undrafted free agents. And then you've got three in the second, four in the third, and then you got Richard Sherman, and three sixth-round picks. So I'm just going to call the fifth and sixth-round picks anomalies. And what I'm looking at is you need to go. You, you should probably go first round. You need to be in the first three rounds. And if you don't, don't bother in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. I mean, you know, when I say don't bother, you know, stuff happens. You don't want to pass on Richard Sherman if you genuinely believe he is. But just understand what the numbers are. However, and we've how many times have we as Packer fans experienced this? Undrafted free agents, super good corners. Super good corners, dude. I don't know what it is. I have no idea why that is. I need to talk to somebody that knows some stuff. Because this is weird. There's this many undrafted free agents. Why didn't they get drafted? There's got to be something. Maybe it's a traits thing. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like, look, you're not a good football player or you played for this garbage thing, but you got these traits and, and traits are just convertible. I'm making this up, but I'm just trying to think out loud. here. Maybe traits can convert into good corners. Maybe these are converted wide receivers. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if you need a corner and your team kind of just doesn't do anything until, you know, free undrafted free agency period, don't give up. And we, I mean, we've got guys now that are that way. Chandon Sullivan, he's on this list. I don't know exactly where he ranks. I don't remember, and I don't have time to look it up. He's on the list, although he might have been listed as a safety. Either way, he's here. Lots of undrafted. Second most prominent among corners is undrafted free agents. It just It still blows my mind. I don't know if it's blowing yours yet or not, but it's blowing mine. And then finally, safety, a lot more evenly distributed. The first round is most prominent. Uh, undrafted free agents are fairly prominent. There's a spike in the third round, which I tend to think is random because it doesn't make sense that the second round would be so low. So I tend to think first round is is kind of where it's at. After that, you just find them where you find them. It's actually very similar to running back. But uh, number one overall is a third round guy. Uh, if you look top five, rounds one, three, seven, and free agent are basically the same. Top 10, though, is when it starts to separate. Five of them are first round. So half are first round. Then you got one in round two, three, seven, and two is undrafted free agent. In the top 20, you have seven that are first round. Everything else is kind of one or two. I mean, literally every round is one or two with the exception of round three, which I said is weird, where you got four of them. And then top 32, again, nine are first round. So about a third are first round. Six of them are third round. Five of them are undrafted free agents, but you don't have any that are less than two. So you kind of just find them where you find them. This kind of could possibly be one of those things where it's very hard to scout safeties. In other words, we kind of think we know who's good, but you know, you're just as likely to find a second-round guy as you are to find a sixth-round guy. So we do a pretty good job of picking out the real good ones in the first round, maybe the Darnell Savages, you know. But there's a lot that slipped through the cracks. So it also has to do with how encouraged or discouraged you should be. If if it's a sixth-round safety, that might pan out. If it's a sixth-round tackle, brush it off. That was a waste. You can you can feel free to get upset about that. So, anyways, I don't I don't know about you. Maybe some of you guys turned this off already or fall falling asleep. I thought this was. A, a lot of fun. And I'm going to refer back to this a lot, and I'm going to have this up during the draft. And again, I will put this up on Patreon. You can join Patreon for as little as a buck a month at patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy. If you like this and you want to be able to refer back to this or just keep it for yourself for next year or whatever, when I do this, you'll have kind of both or however you want, whatever. It will be interesting. I suppose I could just do last year, but uh, I kind of want to just look at the Packers and see the Packers breakdown on this stuff. But anyways, that's it. I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.